I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Apple has finally decided to add RCS to the iPhone sometime in 2024, but the company makes it clear that RCS is not coming to iMessage. Thus, the blue bubble versus green bubble bullying will continue. OpenAI fired its CEO, failed at trying to rehire him less than 24 hours later, had most of its employees threaten to leave the company if it didn't bring him back, and is now trying to rehire him again, all while knowing Microsoft has already offered him and those who follow him a new gig. And Amazon is offering free AI training to up to 2 million people by 2025. It's trying to build the AI workforce for tomorrow by training it today. We've got all this, some holiday tech on our wish list, and more in episode 107 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Just the Two of Us. Uh, as you can tell, if you're watching or listening, Stephanie's not here today. She is has some emergencies going on, so we're going to just do the two of us for this week's show. How are things going? How's the uh, Turkey Day plans? Got anything special going on? So I don't really have anything special going on because this will be the first time that my youngest daughter will not be home for Thanksgiving. She's away at school. She has a part time job and her job has her working the day before Thanksgiving. And then she, she works in retail and then she's working the entire weekend after. So it just didn't make sense for her to try to come home for a couple of days and then like try to fly back on Thanksgiving morning um, to turn around and go right back to work. So she's staying home because she literally will be out of school a week after, you know, week and a half, 10 days after Thanksgiving and then we'll be home. So we, we, I say all that to say, we have zero plans. We're literally doing nothing. I'm probably going to go over to one of our cousins who lives here in the city and hang out there for a while. But other than that, it's just me and my wife hanging out. All right. All right. What about Um, yourself? I've got, Got my mom and my dad coming down uh, for the holidays. Try to get my brother and sister coming down, but they had the same problems as you. They had to work every day except Thanksgiving. So mom and my dad coming down. So it'd be my mom and dad and then my family, my kids, and then my wife has a aunt in the area. So she's going to stop by. And that's it, you know, until somebody else decides to pop up or say they're in the city and Last minute plans, but that's about it. Nothing major. Yeah. So, you know what? Let's uh, let's do a tech show because there was an enormous amount of tech news that came out just like from Friday on last week. So let's go ahead and jump into it. And in the first one, and I I loved your reaction in our discord to this. Uh, But Apple has finally decided. And I believe they did this on Thursday last week. They decided that they're going to add 
RCS, um, you know, to that, that is the, the protocol that is used by Android devices. They're adding RCS to the iPhone, which will make, in theory, sending things like files, uh, pictures, uh, videos back and forth between Android users and iOS users much easier. But I want to get your take on this. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Apple uh, deciding to finally go ahead and add, uh, um, you know, RCS to the iPhone? Well, it sounds like or you can read into it and say that Apple is starting to buckle under more pressure from the EU to standardize a lot of things, which is why the iPhone 15 came out with uh, USB-C. This is also why Apple is considering. I'm not sure how far along in the process they are, but they are in the process of deciding on whether or not to let app developers sideload on the iPhone. So, Long story short, you don't have to go to the Apple store as a sole source of apps to download on your iPhone, iPad. You can sideload them, i.e. go to another website and download apps similar to how you can do on a Mac. You know, there's a Mac app store, but most people download directly from the developer, yada, yada, yada. Even though there are some app developers that are starting to migrate to the app store, you can still on a Mac go to a website, download software without it being inside Apple's ecosystem. Well, Sideloading apps is the same thing on an iPhone. Apple hasn't really committed to that yet, but they have to do something because of, like I mentioned, the pressure from the EU. I think this RCS thing may be another one of those pushes to standardize for the EU, which as collateral damage for the Americans, we tend to benefit from that as well, i.e. the new iPhone 15 and i.e. Apple deciding, making an announcement or confirming, for lack of a better term, that they are replacing SMS, MMS for RCS, which, like Rob mentioned, in addition to getting better audio video uh, transfers when you're texting to an Android user, if I'm an iPhone user, and vice versa, the video looks better, the audio looks better, the memes and all the little things that we text back and forth will look better coming from an iPhone to an Android and vice versa. In addition to RCS is better at encryption than SMS and MMS, so, so but no, it ain't foolproof. So it's no, there's a little bit. So, better. so here's the thing. Um, and this is why um, I was all over the Internet last week talking about this because people are acting like, oh, this is going to be so great. There's going to be no, you know, Stephanie won't be able to bully me anymore because my bubbles are green. That mm-hmm. is absolutely not the case. Um, a couple of things. Number one, Apple made it very clear they are not adding RCS to iMessage. They're adding they're adding RCS to the iPhone. It'll that's be what a, I mean by it, replacing. Yeah, and that's be, what I mean by replacing SMS and yeah. MS. So it's going to yeah, be a separate thing. And here's the thing. So because Android users overwhelmingly use the Google Messages app. What Google has done, because there are shortcomings in RCS, like it isn't in the insecure. Um, there, there's, there's quite a few things that iMessage does that RCS does not do. So what Google has done and they're trying to get everyone to use RCS, they said, well, we have to make it better um, than what the standard is. So their application that you use determines your security, not the protocol itself. So for iPhone users, 
that are going to start using RCS sometime next year. I'm, you know, like, you know, they said sometime in 2024. Um, my, my gut would tell me probably around March time frame is when that's going to come out. That's because that's when some laws in the EU, kick, you know, kick into place. That'll happen around that time. But what is it going to mean for users? You're still going to have a deprecated use case because it's not going to be like iMessage, what a lot of people was thinking was going to be. It's just going to be a little bit better than what you had with SMS and MMS. So you're not going to get any encryption. Um, you're not going to get all the iMessage stuff that, you know, that, you know, you can use between iPhone users and other Apple devices. Uh, none of that comes. It is simply just better compression. So you're going to get, you know, better looking videos. You're going to get better looking pictures because it's pretty sad how crappy that stuff looks. You send somebody a picture over SMS or actually over MMS, I should say. It just, it just looks terrible. I think it's compressed down and it just doesn't look good. So that's going to get better. So for at least from an experience that that's going to be better for both Android users and iPhone users, but that's it. Uh, Apple is saying that they are going to do things like work with GSMA, who is behind the actual RCS protocol and help them, you know, improve it, put encryption in all those kind of things. But don't hold your breath on any you know, thinking that they're, they're, they're literally like, you know, they're trying to Google it. They're, they're, that's not their goal. It's like if their CEO last year said it, if you want to have iMessage, you get an iPhone. They, I don't think he's changing that at all. The reason that they're doing this is, as you said, there is a law over in the European Union called the Digital Markets Act, and Apple falls under it because that's where they operate. And under this Digital Markets Act, if you are a big enough provider of certain types of services, you're considered a gatekeeper. And when you're considered a gatekeeper, as uh, Apple probably will be, they will then have to do things like make their messaging platform interoperate with other messaging platforms. So I think Apple is basically sick because they, they came out on this on the last day to actually voice any concerns or voice any opposition to what is happening in the EU. Um, and that's when they said, oh, yeah, we're going to support RCS. So this has nothing to do with making it better for communication between iPhone users and Android users. Apple is completely, in my opinion, showing you that they don't care about that. This is because they need to fall in line with the law. And this is how I said it last week on Twitter. Uh, or X, I should call it. <laughs> Apple was told that you need to do this. And it was like, all right, bet. Here we go. And it's like they're going to do as little as they can and legally, you know, be in compliance with these laws is, is how I feel this is going to happen. Um, what, what is your take on that? Do you, do you think they're going to get really behind it or do you think they're going to do as little as they can? And no, fall they're going to comply. They're going to yeah. fall into compliance. And yeah. like the EU said, Hey, you need to make uh, your messages more interoperable. And so Apple's like, all right, well, what we're not going to do is let you force us to make iMessage available for all. What we're going to do is we're going to comply and complying means make them more interoperable. Voila. Here yeah. you go. Here's more interoperable. Shut your face. Here's this standard that every, you know, that other phones can use. We're going to use that standard. They, they are they they are agreeing to the letter of of the law. So that that was that was that was big because a lot of folks. I you know I, I saw your uh, your meme <laughs> that you posted in our in our group was like what this is you know not really expecting that to come down, but uh, it, it is interesting because like I said it's it's a lot of people think that oh iMessage is going to be just for everybody now and it's like nah it's only is that what people thought a Shame lot of y'all for thinking a that. lot of people think that mm -hmm. i think it's more 
iPhone and not iPhone. I think it's more Android users that we're thinking that. But you have to think about what is the reason for Apple doing that? That, that, that makes them no money to allow them or allow you to use their platform. If you want to use their platform, get their platform. The only reason they're doing this is to comply with this law. Yep. So um, you started off, you were saying that there was uh, something else that they were deciding to do. And I, f- I forgot what it was, right? You know, um, another side loading apps si- side loading apps. things. So, yes, yeah, so they that, are back and forth about. So my understanding is that if they do that, because Apple came out in their in, in a statement and said that they still believe that this is, you know, it is unsecure that, you know, we don't really want our users doing this. But if the law says that you know, we're going to uh, have to do this, we're going to comply with it. But that's only going to come to the UK. Do you think that I should keep saying the UK, the EU, the European Union, if it uh, if it's there, do you think that Apple would eventually, you know, concede and then allow it to go everywhere? Or do you think it'll just be there? Um, that's a good question. I don't know that answer. Uh, my assumption would be that it's probably just going to stay in the EU until it becomes too much of a problem for them to have two different versions. Time remains. Time will only tell if this does go through and they have to do this in the EU. Time will only tell if Apple is like, all right, well, this is just too much work to maintain these two different quote unquote, you know, processes for people to get apps on their devices, then they'll figure out how to consolidate. Uh, But until then, it'll probably just be just for the uh, EU, because I agree that the reason why people love iPhones is because everything is simple. You go to one place to get music, Apple Music. You go to one place to get apps, the App Store. And that for example, this, those two things make it easy for anybody to say, here's a phone, go to this place to get the apps, go to this place to get the music, <laughs> which is like the two things and which is like the two things people do with smartphones. They go do all the apps and then they have their personal music player. So making those two things super simple is what makes the iPhone shine. So I don't think Apple's trying to rock that boat by saying, hey, Now you can download apps from everywhere and anywhere, you know, that comes with its own set of issues. So making things simple as possible, that's what is a selling point for Apple. And I don't think I don't see them changing that no time soon. Yeah. So um, when I was reading through the articles talking about that, it was that when you think about USB, USB, if they make physically, you know, multiple types of devices, that gets expensive. Um, if we're going to well, on these devices that are called the iPhone 15 Pro, we're going to have still the lightning cable. And on, then we're going to make another one, the completely different connector. And that's also going to be the 15 Pro. And we're only going to sell these ones here and we're only going to sell those ones there. That got difficult. So they kind of said, you know what? We're just going to give everybody, um, you know, USB-C, which is what everybody, you know, which is really, I think, what probably most people wanted. But when it comes yeah, to everything else, everything else is going USB C. So it's yeah. a matter of time for that one. Right. You know, so Apple trying to fight that. It's like, all right. <laughs> Even the iPhone it, people is like, come on, man, we're waiting right. for the switch so we can switch everything over. Just do it. But w- <laughs> with the software, though, because when I think about it, it is it is you absolutely can sideload applications on Android. Um, it, it is not an issue. You have to go turn some settings off 
in your, you know, on your phone. Generally, every time you do it, unless you really make your phone insecure by allowing side loading all the time. But you got to jump through a few hoops. And when I think about someone like myself who I download a lot of apps, it is fairly rare that I actually sideload anything. Most almost everything I get, I get directly from Google Play. So I would I would only imagine that if sideloading becomes a thing, the overwhelming majority of iPhone users are still going to get their apps from the App Store. So. I wonder if they will say, you know, well, we have so many people, so few people who are going to actually have the ability. Let's just go ahead and lock it down. Let's just see. So, you know, if I were making a prediction, my gut tells me that it will only be available in the European Union until enough people complain about it or enough people figure out how to work around it. That Apple says, OK, let's go ahead and open this up for everybody. And it's also a money play, too. You know, if the only way to get your app as a developer in the in the hands of millions of iPhone users is if your app is in the app store in order to get your app in the app store, Apple takes their cut. So why would Apple not want to get their cut, especially when millions of people use iPhones? I can see how Apple's kind of like, eh, we don't care on a Mac because app Mac apps really ain't bringing in the same type of paper mm-hmm. that iPhone apps are. So with the iPhone apps, it's like, nah, you stay in the app store so we can get our cut, which I mean, I, you know, who am I to say as a, as a person, companies can't make as much money as possible. It ain't my job. That's, so that, you is, know. <laughs> that is definitely one of the things that Apple is. They, they're with it is like, this is how we're going to do it until the law tells us different. And I, I, I don't see that app store going away uh, anytime in the foreseeable future. And I know I actually just purchased something on my phone where it was one price if you buy it through the app on your phone. And then it was like 30% less if you buy it through the website on your phone. And they make no bones about it. It's like, hey, we're not going to, you know, I think the developers have started saying, we're not going to continue to lose this 30% by you going through the app store. If that's if that's the convenience you want, then you're going to pay for it. And I guess that my question to that would be, um, are people, what would be the numbers of the people who are saying, you know what, I really am economical in my choices. And if there's any way to save a buck, I'm going to jump through the necessary hoops to do that. I wonder what those numbers are as compared to people. It's like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'll just order. from, I'll just get it out of the app store. <laughs> um, my gut tells me that people, if they're not thinking about it, it's, they're so conditioned to go to the app store. That's probably just what they do, because. I went to the app store and I'm like, wait, why is this like, why is it like $3 more? It's like, oh, because I'm going to Google Play. And then it's like, because I because I literally, I looked at it first on the website and saw one price, went on my phone to actually make the purchase just because it was easier to do on my phone. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Why, why does this cost more? Let me go back to that website and, and, and buy it that way. Actually, I, I went to the website on my phone. It saw the price difference. So it's, uh, you know, I, I think people are starting to notice because this was a subscription. It wasn't like it was a one time thing to where I'm just paying 30, 40 cents more right now. This is like, no, this is like two, three dollars a month every month for as long as I keep the service. I was like, nah, I'm going I'm going to go buy this on the website where it's just cheaper. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So Terrence, another piece of news that came out last week, and th- this one was was huge, and it is still literally. I, I was refreshing right before we got on uh, to look at some of these stories uh, as far as what's coming out. But OpenAI, OpenAI is the company behind ChatGPT. They fired Sam Altman, their CEO, last week on Friday. They did it right after the close of business. Founder and, and CEO. Uh, yeah, yeah, founder and CEO. They, they, they fired him. And they did it arguably in the worst way possible, seemingly on a, you know, I, I don't want to say it was on a whim, but it kind of seemed like that when you, when you start going back and looking through it, they didn't it have a transition. It wasn't on a whim. It, it wasn't on a whim. Yeah. It was spur of the moment. But it wasn't on a whim. <laughs> yeah. There, there's reasons why they, why they did it, but they don't even really want to tell you what the reasons are. But long story short, they fired old dude on Friday within 24 hours. Uh, l- l- let me put some background on this. So, so they fired him. And usually when you're going to, you know, it's not like open AI is a little company as far as how, you know, how many people are aware of it and how much money the company is valued at. I mean, they were trying to do like a $90 billion valuation just a couple of months, not even a couple of months ago, a little over a month ago. So this is a big company by, you know, by all means. And, Usually they're going to have a transition plan. They're going to let all of their big investors know, hey, this is something that we're doing and get their feedback to make sure they're cool with it. None of that happened. They just, yeah, uh, we got the votes. Sam Altman is out. And within 24 hours, they were looking to have this dude come back. And, you know, because it's like, I think they figured out, oh, we messed up. And I, you know, we've all seen that mean. It was like, and, and at this moment, they realized they had, you know, you know, had, had effed up. I think that that is kind of what the board was feeling because they were trying to get this dude to come back within 24 hours. And it looks like that is broken down. Then Microsoft is, you know, it snapped. And we'll, we'll talk about all of it, but I just want to get your take on, you know, what do you think made them decide to just let this dude go in the way that they did? Well, the reports say that Sam Altman was more concerned about the for-profit arm of OpenAI and the non-profit arm of OpenAI is the group that conspired to oust him. So it sounds like OpenAI ChatGPT was blowing up. They was getting all this interest. They was getting all this money from Microsoft and they said, you know, Sam Altman and some of these other people was like, all right, full steam ahead. Nonprofit arm was like, hey, what about our mission and our vision about, you know, altruism and being good? And let's bump the brakes on AI because we don't know the effects. They was like, nah, 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 nah. So <laughs> they as a result of, like you said, all these valuations, the board saw green. I mean, I'm sorry. 
Sam, Sam Altman, Altman saw, Green. yeah, saw Green. It was like full steam ahead, nonprofit arm. It was like, all right, let's figure something else out. But then, of course, everything started to, like you said, fall down from there. The president and co-founder, uh, Greg Brockman, mm-hmm. uh, quit in solidarity. The uh, the other co-founder, his name is Ilya Sovetsky. I'm saying his name terribly wrong, but I'm sorry. Uh, he was on the nonprofit arm that said we need to get him out of here. And then as all of the engineers and all the the all the other people was like, all right, well, we side with Sam. So if yeah. he leaves and the president's gone, we all gone, too. He was like, wait a minute. Y'all wasn't like, supposed to leave. He too. was like, psych, um, psych. Yeah, so he changed <laughs> his mind and even threatened to resign if the uh, threatened to quit if the board doesn't resign. So Sam Altman, I don't know if this is planned or whatever. He was like, all right, well, you know, not him. The engineers and the scientists that side with Sam were like, they wrote this long letter and mm-hmm. was like, y'all tripping, y'all tripping, y'all tripping. The only way, uh, well, in addition to y'all tripping, Microsoft was like, yo, y'all got jobs over here. If y'all decide to leave for whatever reason, we'll start up this whole new uh, AI research wing. And we assure y'all, y'all got jobs over here. And the problem with that is the board was like, all right, well, we are nonprofit, but we ain't zero profit. <laughs> and we was expecting <laughs> on that Microsoft money to kind of stay put, even though we moved these people. And then Microsoft was like, no, nah, I'll do you one better. How about we open up our own AI and bring Sam Altman and his whole crew yeah. over here? And they was like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold, wait. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> let's let's think about this for a second. And let's figure this out. So that's what, like you said, they bring Sam Altman back into a meeting, you know, probably at the behest of the scientists and the researchers and Mm -hmm. all these other people. Like you said, um, uh, negotiations hasn't filtered out because, again, like I said, Microsoft was like, uh, instead of just being on the board, which we trying to get on the board too. the other option is we just spin up our own thing. Y'all get none of the money. Right. So (laughs) um, so 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 here's here's some of the things that happened when they started renegotiating less than 24 hours or I don't even know if you call it renegotiating. I guess it's just negotiating because you fired him. You're now negotiating to bring him back. Um, What he's saying is that, okay, I'll come back. But these are changes that we need to make. So he wanted some business people on the board because right now the board is completely controlled by the nonprofit side of of the house. And he's like, if I'm coming back, I don't want this stuff happening again. Um, Y'all need to put some business folks on the board. And this is where Microsoft and Satya Nadella, who is looking like a freaking genius right now, dealing with all this is like, yeah. And, you know, we're on the board, but we don't have a vote. We want to vote to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen again. So now you're going to take not just, uh, you know, not just what Sam Altman saying. We want business people on the board. Microsoft is saying we want a spot on the board. We're your biggest investor. We've given you billions and billions and billions of dollars. Well, they they have they have promised promised billions yeah, of promised. dollars. Um, and we want a seat on the board. And the thing with Microsoft, Microsoft is the most pro business business that you, you know, you don't get any more pro business than Microsoft. They are all about making as much money as humanly possible. Um, and even in some. So the board talks kind of fell apart. So it was just like last night, you know, Satya Nadella on Twitter of all places or on RX of all places. 
is like, you know, welcome Sam Altman and uh and uh you know what was the what the other what was the other founder's name? Um something Brockman. Greg Greg Brockman. Brockman. Greg Brockman. Um we welcomed you know Tim into the fold and they laid it on. They made it clear that and other employees, you know, essentially, if if this goes through, because this is I don't think it's 100 percent yet with Altman being at Microsoft. But if it does, he will be a CEO, um, you know, within this new business unit that they're creating with the opportunity to hire hundreds of employees. Well, OpenAI only has like 780 employees. And he, if he can hire hundreds of them and then, as you said earlier, that the, uh, the actual employees, about 60 or 70 percent of them signed a letter saying that if the board does not step down and, and do, you know, and, you know, get replaced and then bring this dude back, we're out. Um, <laughs> Santi Dendela is sitting there looking like Dave Chappelle playing uh, Rick James, just like, you know, come, come, come on, come on, come, come to me. Uh, you know, just come on over. So yep. this news, like I said, I had six things in here. I had six points. There's a seventh point because now it is, you know, and this is this is right around three o'clock uh, this afternoon. That it came out that the the, you know, Sam Altman going to Microsoft is not done, that they are still trying to have conversations about whether or not the board gets swapped out and he comes back to open AI and. Once again, Microsoft is sitting there, you know, so you can either do this within your own company and get this money or we can just do it ourselves and hire all your people. Because here's the other thing. OpenAI is based in California. California is one of the hardest states in, you know, you know, in the United States to enforce non-competes. It's almost impossible to there. So there's nothing that would keep, you know, with the exception of maybe some very, very high personnel or something like that. There's almost nothing that's going to keep employees from literally quitting working for OpenAI today and be working for Microsoft within a week or two. So this is it's 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 truly interesting because I, I've never seen anything like this to where, you know, it's so bad that you actually decide that you need to fire your CEO without really a plan of how you're going to replace them. There was really no plan for how this is going to work. And then within 24 hours, it's like, oh, you put your finger up in the wind. It's like, ah, this isn't going like we thought it was going. Let's go ahead and try to bring him back. I I can't say I've ever seen anything like this before for businesses at this level. No. um, So it would have to be a good reason as to why the nonprofit arm, the more altruistic, the more moral, if you want to compare the, the side that was like, all right, well, let's do the right thing by AI seems to be getting put out in place in favor of the let's make as money, much money as possible. That ain't new. Right. <laughs> I don't believe that to be some new development. But um, I think what the. In my opinion, this is purely speculation. This is, you know, purely something it's unsubstantiated, unsubstantiated whatsoever. I think there was some other stuff going on with Sam Altman that OpenAI was like, yeah, we're going to we want to make sure we remove ourselves of him before the other shoot. What is it? The other, other shoe, shoe drops. turns, other shoe, the drops. other shoe drops. Yeah, the other shoe drops there. I can't substantiate any of this, but I've seen some tweets that may suggest that. Sam Altman was per, has some personal issues. I ain't going to get into more details because I don't want somebody to say, hey, hey, 
that's just made up and you just making stuff up. There was some personal issues going on to where maybe that other stop hasn't dropped yet, but maybe the nonprofit arm was like, we'll have some time between letting this dude go and riding our ship and moving in the direction we want to move before this other stuff happened. And that window that they thought they had went from this big to this big. And it's like, all right, wait, 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 wait. Let's forget the other shoe. Yeah. Forget the other shoe right now. Let's let's keep everybody. Let's keep this business running. You know, even though we are nonprofit, that don't got nothing to do with no profit. Right. We we're trying to pay people. We're trying to maintain. We still want to become X, Y and Z. But we can't do that if everything crumbles because we thought we had this much of a window between getting rid of this dude and then writing the ship. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, this was like I said, I, I've not seen anything like this because y- you might be right. Maybe there is something else, but they haven't said it. No, no one has come out and said anything that would make you say this so bad that you have to get rid of your CEO all quick in a hurry. Like what they were doing. I don't put nothing past nobody, Jack. <laughs> no, I, so, so I'm, I'm not, I'm, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not out here being a Stanford Sam Altman. I'm just saying that no one is saying that yet. It's like, there's rumors, but no, no, no one is saying what those things are. So it's like, y'all couldn't have just waited till next week to do this. It's like, you know, it, it had to happen now. Um, and I just I don't know what they were thinking was going to happen. You know, apparently they they clearly thought that well they were going to be able to get away with this, so they wouldn't have did it. But what was the outcome that they were thinking was going to happen? Because he's generally you know looked at as a good CEO who's done all these things to get OpenAI to where it is. And so you have to wonder: is it like is it just that he you know? he has like personality clashes with folks. Was it like the folks on the board just don't like him? It's like, okay, here's, here's our opportunity to get them up out of here because we don't like them. And we've been trying to do this for a minute. Let's go ahead and, you know, let's go ahead and make this change. Not realizing he was beloved by most of the employees of the company. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. We ultimately we're just speculating because no one has said anything. All we know is that four o'clock last Friday, dude gets fired. Mm-hmm. Saturday morning. We hear, Oh, they're talk. They're in talks to bring him back. What possibly could have happened in that less than twenty four hours that would have made the company, that would have made the board say, "Oh, well, yeah, he he's he's okay to come back and be our CEO as long as you know the company doesn't falter." Uh, you know, while we're here, um, because it, look, it was looking like it was going to if we if we didn't do something. That tells me that's like, well, really, were you thinking out that it was a good move in the first place for this to happen? I don't I don't know what they were doing, because it's like usually when you're making a move like this and you have a company like Microsoft that has promised you as many billions of dollars as they did, I want to say it's 12, 13 billion dollars that Microsoft has promised to open AI um, as their biggest investor. Usually you go run this by them before you go make that type of change. And the fact that, uh, you know, that Microsoft was being notified of this literally within, you know, you know, the reports are saying that they didn't even have an hour's notice that this was going to happen that the other uh, co-founder didn't even have an hour's notice that this was going to happen, that the employees had no notice. They literally were finding out when everybody else was finding out. Um, I don't know what was going on here, but it was, it, it's just, it's just very odd. I've, I've never seen a company of this stature 
act this way. This is this is this is really strange and weird how this is all going down. And we still don't know what the news is. You know, it, it, shoot, right now it could it could be that he's going to be heading up something at Microsoft tomorrow. We might find out that they've reconciled and he's now back at open. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no clue as to what's going to go down here. So, Terrence, um, this story actually just came out today. Usually we're covering last week's news, but this one was a pretty big one. And I wanted to get your take on it. So Amazon has launched a program where it plans to train millions of workers in artificial intelligence skills by 2025 for free. The goal is for AI ready. That's what they're calling it. They want to train at least two million people on a basic and advanced skill levels, uh, including how to make use of generative AI technology, which powers the large language model chat GPT. So Amazon, you know, they have, you know, notorious is not the right word. They, they have actually done a lot of things with training of trying to upscale workers, you know, their own employees and others for the jobs of the future that they're going to have. And that seems to be what they're doing here. And this training is centered on eight online courses focusing on generative AI and is aimed at both beginners and those with more experience. So I want to get your take on this. Why, why, you know, Microsoft, Amazon is a giant company. They don't do these kind of things. You know, they, they want to get two million people, uh, you know, upskilled on AI. They don't just do that because they are a generous company. There's got to be something that they're going to do on the back and they're, they're making money off of this. So, you know, so what are your thoughts on why they would be even, you know, willing to go out and say, we want to go out and train up to two million people um, within the next year? A good press to cover up the fact that they run sweatshops in their distribution centers. <laughs> That's the easy answer. <laughs> Instead of saying, well, uh, we don't really care about y'all, you know, peeing in cups and dying on the floor. So we're going to train you for the more, you know, white collar, you know, less stressful jobs by, you know, training you on AI. You know, AI is the hot new thing. All right, let's train them on that to say, oh, wait, we gave you a shot. Now, when the employees are going to have time to do this, when they got cameras and robots watching them all day long and they can't take a pee break, you got to figure that out on your own. But we can't say we didn't give you the education and the ability to transition into a a less stressful environment. But that's just me talking. Yeah, I don't I don't even know that this is so much geared and aimed towards the uh, the, the warehouse workers. I think this is more <laughs> which makes it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think from from what from where they're aiming it is for their own employees, call center folks, folks that are sitting down at a computer doing things. But it's not just internal employees. This is free for anyone. Like right now, you can go to their website. We've got a link in our show notes uh, that has, uh, you know, all, all the stories and where you can go. But you, you literally can go and you can get this free training on your own. So, you know, as I'm reading through and just reading other related stories to this, the reason and we've, we've talked about this before on the tech, John, is that although you still hear of, you know, big tech companies here and big tech companies there that are doing layoffs, there are far fewer people available to do the tech jobs of today and tomorrow than there are qualified workers to do those jobs. So it it sounds like, you know, at least it makes sense on paper. What Amazon is saying is that we're doing this because we know that we're going to get to a point to where we're going to be doing all this stuff in AI. I want to say that they've, they've invested $4 billion in AI over the next couple of years. And they need people to actually run those systems and, you know, and, and understand how those systems work. And they don't have them right now. 
So this free training is, you know, if you work here and you want to go do this in your, you know, in your spare time, you know, go knock it out. There might be a job waiting for you. But even if you don't work here, go learn this stuff, learn how we're doing AI on our systems. There might be a job for you as well. Um, you know, and they're even taking it further. So Amazon is also funding scholarships valued at $12 million, which is for, for, you know, a company Amazon size, that's just a drop in a bucket, but they've got $12 million for more than 50,000 high school and university students from underserved and underrepresented communities. And he said it joined with the educational nonprofit code.org to offer an hour of code for students to learn more about generative AI. So it seems like they are pretty serious about just trying to get folks to have the skill set that is necessary for them to run these systems that they know AI is going to be powering in the future. So what are, you, what, are your, what are your takes? What are your, what are your thoughts? Sounds nice. <laughs> so all that sounds nice. <laughs> so I actually, I actually went and did a little bit more research. It was unrelated to this, but kind of related. So we've talked about like boot camps and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, definitely in year one when they were still pretty hot, when we were just coming off of the uh, tail end of the, the pandemic, but like boot camps and just all this training that, you know, you could go get relatively inexpensively. And you would hear the stories about people getting jobs where they were working in Amazon uh, in the warehouse and then they took this training. And then now now they've got a tech job, maybe at Amazon or maybe some other company, but they literally have doubled or tripled the amount that they're making. And they're doing it in nice air conditioned office, if not doing it from, you know, the you know, you know, from the confines of their own home. Um, So I was like, well, we hear those stories, but how many people are really getting those kind of jobs? So I just started looking at some statistics and it's saying that like, you know, for just like these these boot camps and stuff like that, generally for most of them, 70 to 80 percent of their uh, students are employed within jobs in the field within six months. That that's that's pretty good because these boot camps, you know, you, you take a 13 week course that teaches you how to do something in I.T., and then within six months of that, you're, you know, you're, you're doing a job that is making you 60 to $90,000 a year after mm-hmm. six weeks. And they're saying it's 70 to 80% of the, uh, of the, of, you know, and this is like not just one boot camp. This is, they, they went and looked across many, mm-hmm. like 38 different boot camps and significant percentage of them are getting jobs in the field within six months. That's pretty good. So I'm right. just wondering is, you know, you know, should we be, you know, should we be saying, you know what, here's some free training. Um, you know, like, you know, should you be looking at your kids for like, if, if you're trying to find something for your kids to do in the summer, instead of just being on TikTok all day and being, you know, playing games all day. No, I want you to actually sit down and go through some of this AI training and learn something. And maybe you will develop a skill that could get you a job that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to get because the skill, you know, you, you didn't have if you wouldn't go through this training. So, and this, this is not just Amazon. This is, this is other folks that are doing, you know, similar things. But, um, you know, I, I tend to believe that there is a wave of, you know, of jobs that we just don't have the workforce for. Because the other thing that we have to compete with is that you still have a lot of older Generation X and a lot of baby boomers that are going to be retiring. And there just there just isn't there just aren't enough people with the skill set that those folks have to go and replace them at the levels that they're going to need to be replaced. So, you know, like I said, I. I am like you on this. I am definitely a well. Let's wait and see, <laughs> because it's like it's 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 Amazon. Yeah, because right now it's just it's just an announcement. It's just a pledge. 
Mm-hmm. It's just a promise. You know, uh, businesses work on revenue and they work on income streams and they work on profits. Promises. <laughs> I don't know if they they don't <laughs> uh are not professionals at like, promises. So now, I don't, I don't now. know that the scholarship money has been given out yet, but the eight, the eight programs, the eight courses that you can do specifically about AI, they are available online right now. You can actually go and register be, for them today and do them. So, and it would make me personally, you know, I would be like, all right, this makes sense. If this training was geared specifically to not and exclusively to current Amazon workers, right? You mentioned that, oh, yeah, I mean, it's not exclusive. Anybody can join it, which, I mean, that's cool. But like, again, to my original point at the top, saying that, you know, um, this seems like to be, you know, good press to cover up, you know, the bad press, right? If they were doing that, which businesses do, they put out good press to kind of cover up bad press. It would have made more sense for me to them for them to say, We've got this eight million or eight billion or whatever the number is that goes specifically to Amazon employees, similar to McDonald's. Right. You know, we all clown McDonald's. Our food's nasty, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, you know, McDonald's make sure to put in here that you start with us. We got scholarships. We got training. Mm-hmm. We've got all these other things, n- not even mentioning that, you know, these McDonald's are in all these different places. It gives people all these different opportunities. A lot of franchise owners are African-American and that's how they, some of mm-hmm. them, you know, build wealth for their family. Right. So McDonald's says, all right, yeah, we got it. Our food ain't the best. We understand. In addition to that, you can come to McDonald's and become a manager and become a franchise owner and all these things. So all that to say, similar to how McDonald's gears that those benefits directly to their employees. It would be dope if Amazon said, we've got all these trainings, learn about AI. This is the future specifically for our employees. It's one of the benefits to come work for Amazon, not just, you know, come work for Amazon and Mm. we'll give you a job. You ain't got to have no qualifications, but you may not like the environment, right? That Um, should be one of the benefits from coming to Amazon say, I'm going to come work in the, in the, in the warehouse but there's an opportunity that I can take these free courses, learn AWS, learn AI, learn cloud computing, learn all of these things to where I can move up. It don't seem like Amazon is like, come on, let's bring y'all up. It's kind of like, ah, we're doing this thing. I have two points because I, I have a theory on the Amazon thing. Um, Amazon is not doing anything to block those factory workers or I should say uh, warehouse workers from taking this training and applying and trying to go get one of these jobs of the future. But Amazon is not trying to replace those folks either, because, you know, even though you you hear all the bad things about it, they do go through a level of training that Amazon pays for. And if you move out of that role into one of the, I'm doing the air quotes on the the white collar uh, IT jobs, they got to go out and, you know, and train somebody to come in and do that work. And you keep hearing about, these are not the the great places to, to work. You know, that, you know, the Amazon warehouse work is not, you know, uh, it's not like, oh, I can't wait to go get, you know, you know, to go clock in at Amazon. You're not hearing people say that. So I think the Amazon is really, you know, on both sides of that fence. There's like, yeah, if, if you're doing this, you can go do this training too for free on your own time. That's not here. But uh, we ain't really trying to well, let's move you through this program. 
The second point was, you remember those uh, McDonald's commercials back in the day with Calvin? Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody used to clown Calvin. And it's like, mm-hmm. I can't remember what I was watching, but somebody did a parody on that and moving from Calvin back in the day to Calvin today. Calvin today is now the owner of a uh, of a small franchise of McDonald's. And he just right. opened up his 14th store. Right. That is actually like I'm not standing. For, I'm not standing for uh, for McDonald's, but that is actually attainable. I, I, I know people who have gone through who literally started off working uh, at the drive through window. And now uh, either run, you know, let, let, you know, I know a general manager of McDonald's is responsible for like 38 McDonald's in like the uh, greater Columbus area. And I know another person who actually rose up through the ranks, you know, you know, went into their, you know, their management program and now owns two actual stores. So that that's real. Mm-hmm. You know, like these are folks who, um, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're both younger than me. They're both, you know, 10, 15 years younger than me. But it's like, you know, I, I remember them getting out of high school or actually in one case, they were it was their first. In one case, the person who's like a general manager now, they've only ever worked at McDonald's. They've never worked anywhere else. And this mm-hmm. is someone who, you know, by what they make, they're probably a you know multimillionaire at this point and is running 38 stores, you know, um, you know, in the I said the greater Columbus area, but, the, you know, central Ohio might not actually be exactly Columbus. But uh, but it's like, you know, that that's a real thing uh, for McDonald's. So it'd be great if that becomes a real thing for Amazon as well. So, Terrence, the last thing uh, we're going to talk about, figure that since uh, we're, you know, we're about to go into the holiday and then there's this big Black Friday holiday that comes after. Why don't you and I just talk about some of the tech that we either are adding to our Christmas gifts list for ourselves or things we're just going to go out and buy because we want them. Um, I know I'm wired that way. I generally can't wait. You know, if there's something I want, I just go get it, which drives my family crazy. But that's just how I'm wired. But is there anything uh, you're looking at right now that you're going to go out and snag, maybe try to catch a Black Friday deal or something like that? Uh, sure. Um, one of the things is the Apple Watch SE Generation 2. Uh, both of my daughters, my oldest daughter has a Series 3, um, but she cracked the screen recently. So I'm like, oh, man, that's crazy. I don't know what you're going to do now that your watch is cracked. So internally, I'm going to replace it for Christmas and get her a SE second generation Apple Watch SE, which is the Entry level one. And in addition to that, my middle child is turning. What is she turning? 14. Jeez, time is flying. Anyway, she's getting older and she has expressed interest for Apple Watch as well. So I'm like, all right, Merry Christmas. You'll get Apple Watch SE Generation 2. And I've already purchased them because I'm similar, similarly wired like you. In addition to that, uh, Amazon had a good deal on the Apple Watch SE. I think they dropped down to 189 or something like that. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just go ahead and buy those. So that's two, one slash two of the things that I plan on getting or have already purchased because of the quote, air quotes, uh, Amazon Black Friday uh, slash prices, which, you know, if you know e-commerce, I'm pretty sure they rose the price up and slashed it back down mm-hmm. to trick me into thinking, I'm getting a deal, which lucky for me, I wouldn't have cared if it was a deal or not. <laughs> just go get it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm, I'm the, I'm the same way. I, uh, I, I, when there's something I want, I tend to just get it. I haven't gotten this, so I may be able to hold out until the holiday and allow one of my family members to get it for me, but it is called the Elgato prompter. And it is essentially a, 
a fully self-contained teleprompter. You do not have to add an iPhone or an iPad to it to make it work. It has its own LCD screen and it is from Elgato and it's, it's called the Elgato prompter. And I don't know, maybe a month ago, I just put out a feel, hey, what are you guys using for teleprompters? And the reason is because if for those who are watching us do the show right now, I can look at the camera and talk. And it probably, Terrence, looks like I'm looking at you as I'm looking at the camera or something close to that. But normally I'm looking like this because I'm trying to see who I'm talking to or see myself and I'm looking away. And one of the things that I want to start doing is. Um, you know, like some some quick hit type videos where it's just me. So if there's no one for me to talk to, it looks really weird if I'm looking away from the camera. So I was like, well, how do you how do you solve that? You get yourself a teleprompter. So I'm looking at this Elgato prompter. It's not terribly expensive. It is. I want to say it's like depending on if you get a Black Friday sale or not, it's like two seventy nine. Um, we'll see if the price goes down at all here in the next couple of days. But uh, it gives you the ability to basically look at your uh, your screen and your camera simultaneously. And what I really like about this is that it's not just a teleprompter. It actually works as a monitor for your computer. So I could uh, not only slide over, you know, the, the you know, the content that I want to read, I can slide over. The video. So I could put the video of when I'm normally looking at you and looking at, uh, you know, Stephanie on the screen. I can literally put that on the on the prompter. So just when I'm talking to you, it looks like I'm looking at you when I'm talking to you because I'm actually looking at your picture, uh, you know, that is in front of my camera as compared to looking off to the side. So that that is one of the things that uh, will probably make my list. If I put it on there, I'm just going to try to <laughs> get to Christmas before I go out and buy it for myself. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, what I got is I'm actually using now because, again, I don't wait. Um, Kensington uh, USB-C dock. I'm actually using it right now because when I record, I have to plug a bunch of stuff into my Mac, even with the uh, I call them portable dongles. Those don't supply a good power um, and good Ethernet connectivity. So I'm still plugging up a, a, dock, a hub or rather not a dock. And I'm still plugging my camera in. I'm still plugging my mic in. So I was looking for just one thing to plug everything into. And then one one Thunderbolt 4 USB-C out of my dock into my computer. And this Kensington uh, uh, Thunderbolt 4 USB-C dock does that. It has my HDMI for my monitor. It has my um, three and a half millimeter jack for my uh, earphones. That's USB-C, two of them for my USB mic. And my USB-C camera and uh, has a couple other things. USB-A has a, um, uh, what do you call that? SD port for the, what do you call that thing? The, the cable, the SD. I have no what idea. What it is, the disc. It's the SD, um, God, dog. <laughs> the card that you transfer music and movies, pictures, photographers use them. Oh, this is like the memory did, the SD card? Yeah, couldn't think of SD card. Oh, I I, you, you actually said it. it. So did I really? Yeah, you, okay. you said well, it. My, so I was like, I, I didn't know what you. Well, my mind with. tricked me. So SD card slot. It has USB C A. It has three and a half millimeter slot. It has HDMI, two USB C. Um, so it, ha- it does exactly what I needed to do. It ain't cheap though. It's like two hundred twenty dollars, quote unquote, on sale. Um, but I needed it sooner than later. So that is something that. 
is on my list that I already have, but I just thought I'd share because I already bought it. So another thing that uh, will get to my list, I already have one. I want to get a second one. It's called the Amaran 60XS Cob Light. And um, for those, I don't know if I've talked about this much on this show, but I've been really trying to step my video game up a a lot lately. Uh, Not just here on, you know, sitting in front of the computer doing, uh, you know, podcasts. But, uh, you know, if I'm like sitting on my couch and doing, you know, like an actual interview with someone in person, um, I have come to understand that you rarely need to upgrade your camera if you have not fully exhausted your lighting situation. Um, you know, I think that, you know, you know, being a novice photographer, I, I should even say videographer, I always just thought the better camera you get, the better you're going to look. And there's some truth to that. Uh, you know, good, good glass and a good sensor are going to make you know, it's going to allow you to take a better shot. But if you've got crappy lighting, it doesn't matter. So one of the things that I have uh, come to learn is funny. I was talking to Steph about this last week when we were in the green room because she's in front of cameras all the time. So she knows it's like I never realized how much light generally is being beamed into your eyeball when you're when you're in front of a camera. And, um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of light because you want to have your ISO on your camera low so that you don't get, you know, you, you, you pump in a lot of night, excuse me, a lot of light so you don't get the noise. Well, one of the things that I have, uh, you know, come to learn is that, well, when you don't have lights, that you can really direct the angle of where the light's going and you don't have any type of filters or gels that you can put on or any type of, uh, you know, diffusers or anything like that. The light just spills over everywhere. So like right now, I think I'm fairly well lit. I probably should be better lit than I am. But the more I light myself, the more I'm going to light the back of the background. It just doesn't look great. But. Uh, what this cob light will allow me to do is, you know, you think of the photographer lights where you can put on the big umbrellas or you can put on the big diffusers. And what I can do with this light is uh, put a egg carton type uh, filter on it to where I'm literally directing the light right down on my face, uh, you know, and on my shoulders without having the light spill behind me. And once I started playing with these cob lights, it's like, oh, man, you can just you can just do so many uh, more types of shots than when you're just using the fluorescent lights that uh, are over here in my basement. So, uh, you know, what I like about these, uh, you know, Amaran, uh, you know, 60s is that they are relatively inexpensive. Uh, they are actually quite small. Um, so, you know, you know, if you need to tear them down, take them up, it doesn't take you really, you know, a long time to do it. You can actually, I can move them through doors that I have to take them down because, you know, they're big when they're, when they're up, but they're not giant. So, and they're they're not terribly expensive. So that is the other, uh, gift idea. Like I said, I have one, but I now want a second one. So it is the Amaran 60 X S cob light. All right. Last one I have is a, uh, NAS drive been trying to get a NAS drive for my house and they just been I mean I've got more things that I can buy versus paying for a NAS drive uh, and right now my setup kind of works it's not foolproof I've got an old super old Mac mini that I've got multiple external hard drives connected to that serve as backups for computers serves as you know on-site on-premises I guess <laughs> to be technical on-prem storage in addition to you know using dropbox and google drive and all these other things so my little way i hobble things together um my little cobbled way of hooking up mac minis to a bunch of different 
hard drives and trying to make sure I share the right folders and make sure the network drives. And then I got to go to each individual computer and then type in the special IP address. You know, it's getting along in the tooth. So I may jump on a, a NAS drive. And the one I'm looking at is this Western Digital eight terabyte NAS drive that basically does exactly what it sounds like. It connects to my Ethernet versus having to connect it to any sort of computer for networking. And then that way, all the computers in the house, all I got to do is load up the software on their device, on their Macs or whatever the case may be. And they automatically get access to that storage for backing up their devices and extra storage for where they need to save, you know, family things. Because I've got a family folder and, you know, anybody that wants to save stuff that's not on their computer, they can do that without having to jump through all these hoops trying to connect it to a, a, an extra a computer for the networking part. So that's the main reason I'm going to do it. Like I said, it's, it's 10% off. I think it's like $350, which is better than what I've been looking at for some of them. And I don't need all those fancy ones. You know, they've got um, Drobo and they've got uh, yeah, I'm assuming, Synology. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that yeah. this one with the price range you just said is probably a single drive. It's not like multiple rated drives or is it? I'm just making this. It's it's just one drive okay, and it's eight terabytes. And that's all I need for now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not spending like some of these people. They spend thousand dollars. It's easy to spend almost a thousand dollars on just network attack storage. You know, once you get into the different, like you said, you've got multiple bays, you've got hot swappable this, mm-hmm. and you've got all these other things. I don't need all that. All I need is storage connected to my network to back up computers and everybody have their own little personal folder to where they can save junk. Basically, anytime I come to somebody, you know, in the family, it's like, oh, my computer's working. I'm like, you know why your computer ain't working, right? You got all that trash on the computer that you've never deleted. So I make a little folder on these drives right now to where all the junk that you swear you need, but you don't want to get rid of, throw it in there versus saving it on your computer. So I just need mm. all that to say, I just need a drive to do that and then back up computers and I'm fine. Yeah, back in the day, I actually had a little RAID array. I had a, you know three drives. I could have added up to five, but I only needed the three for what I was doing. But like you, I just I just didn't need it. It was like I had it. It was it was cool, but I just I simply just didn't need it. And, you know, as my kids got older and then as they got out of the house, I just didn't really need to have that much storage because my, uh, you know, all the stuff that I do, I don't need network attached storage for it. I can just attach the, <laughs> attach the drive directly to my rig. I'm the only one in the house using it. So that's why I don't have network attached storage, just because I don't really need to do anything over the network. But, uh, you know, I, I like the price of the one you just said. I actually went and looked it up. So um, yeah, it ain't super flashy. You don't have a bunch of features. I think Western Digital has their own backup software. Don't need it. <laughs> you know, the benefit of having a Mac is they have built in, you know, um, backup software to where all it needs is a drive and then it just works. So I don't need to go through and make no special this and that and a third, which I get, you know, the Synology drives and the Drobo drives, let you do all these crazy things, network server, media server. Ah, I don't need all that. I just need a drive that connects to the network. Well, Terrence, is about that time. We're at the, uh, the the top of the hour. And unfortunately, we did not have any new patrons this week. We do have quite a few patrons who are 
sending us notes on stories or sending us notes on uh, spotlights and stuff like that. So we'll have some of that coming up. So we are having some, you know, more conversations than in recent memory uh, in Patreon, but we haven't had any new members. So if anyone is listening or anyone would like to become a patron and support the tech, you can do that by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the tech. That's the tech J A W N. We've got multiple tiers over there. Any one of which gets you access to our live stream and the top two tiers, it should get you access to a ad free stream. So if you're listening to the show and you get ads at the beginning, in the middle and the end, you can actually become a patron. The top two tiers and actually bypass those ads. So once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John. That is the tech J A W N. So with that brother tech wants to tell the folks I didn't get at you. Well, you can find me at my table on Thursday for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Outside of that, you can find me all over the Internet at Brother Tech. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at the Tech John on all the things. So come holler at us however you holler. Until we meet again in a week's time. And I believe that Stephanie will be back next week. Peace. Peace. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.